Jude chapter 1, verse number 1. And uh, we're going to read a few verses here together. Thank you for being faithful to the house of the Lord. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them because they believed not. God brought them out and then had to destroy some of them because they believed not. Think about that. Let that settle in. And then the angels, which kept not their first estate, but they left their own habitation. He hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a railing accusation, but he said, The Lord rebuked thee. Even Michael, the archangel, was smart enough to know, I'm not going to argue with foolishness. I'm going to let God handle this. These speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beast. In those things they corrupt themselves. Verse 11 will be our last verse. Woe unto them. This is strong language in the King James when you see this. Woe unto them. Notice that exclamation. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and have perished in the gainsaying of Korah. I'm going to preach to you today with the help of the Lord. I know when the world looks at the preaching of the word of God, they don't fully understand why we do what we do. As a matter of fact, Paul told the church at Corinth in his very first letter in the first chapter in the 18th verse, he said that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I want you to know that not everybody in the world is going to understand why we preach the way we preach and why we love what we love. But if you have been saved by the power of preaching, you have learned to fall in love with the Word of God. Amen. You have learned to fall in love with the Word of God. And so I, I assume that what I'm going to preach to you today 
would be by some considered foolishness. But I believe to those of us who love the word of God today, it is the power of God. And the same apostle said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Are you thankful for the word of God? Are you thankful for the word of God? Amen. Let us pray. Great God, we need you today. I'm asking you to rest on this congregation. I'm asking you, Lord, to rest from this platform to the parking lot today. Every man, woman, and child under the sound of my voice. Let your spirit, Lord, grip our hearts, convict us, touch us again by your great spirit. Let your grace meet us in this house today. And we'll be forever grateful. In Jesus' mighty name, let the church say amen. And may the Lord richly bless you. You may be seated. Um, I don't really today, I'm not going to go crazy deep on uh, a title, but I, I want to expound on the, the thought and the idea that Jude said I was going to just write to you about being saved. I was just going to talk to you about the common salvation. And this is a very interesting text because for Jude, there are some things that are settled. He said, I was going to write to you about the common salvation. That's a settled deal. He said, so let me talk to you about how to stay saved. I'm not going to write to you about being saved. You've been saved. So I'm going to talk to you about staying saved. And I'm going to talk to you about the power of not letting those who are not keep you from being saved. There is something to be said about someone with a made-up mind. Now, this could be taken in the wrong context, but... You have to understand where I'm coming from. A made-up mind is something, you know, it is, it is a known fact in my world that ladies can be hard-headed. I live with four of them. Solomon, Solomon felt pretty strong about it. He said, you're better off to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than to be stuck in a house with a brawling woman. What he was saying is that when a woman gets her mind made up, you just better know you're not going to change it. That doesn't have to be a negative thing. When somebody gets their mind made up in the right direction, there is nothing for any reason that can change that. I thank God that my wife and I made up our minds a long time ago before we ever had children. We made up our minds before we had those children that there would never be a question on Sunday and Wednesday and Thursday what's our family going to do where are we going to be what's going to happen when you get a made-up mind it doesn't matter what the world offers you it doesn't matter what the job offers you it doesn't matter what the school offers you you made up in your mind jude said you've got to get your mind made up there's something about it that when you make up your mind that the word of god is true it doesn't matter what anybody else says about it. you got to settle it in your heart that this word is infallible. This word cannot fail. This word does not change. If you cannot get it established in your mind, Genesis 1 and 1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then you're going to have trouble with the rest of the 65 books that are left. You've got to get it established in your heart and established in your mind that the word of God is true. I know some say it's foolishness, but I want you to know today that I still believe that the word of God is right. 
and I believe that it's true from cover to cover and I believe every word God has spoken it shall surely come to pass I believe that so there's so much that Jude is trying to get us to understand now I I, want to lay down the context of this and I want this to make perfect sense to you today uh, that the things that you and I are facing right now are not new to God I, I get it. I know this is, a, this is for some folks they just can't imagine. But listen, I'm going to tell you why we know a lot of things that we know today that people didn't really pay much attention to through the years. And a lot of that has to do with media coverage. It does. Every, everybody has a camera. Everybody's news reports. These little devices right here, when the first uh, iPhone came out, they said that that one, of course, it's so outdated now you couldn't even use it on any of the networks. They said that that little handheld computer had, I believe it was like three times the computing capability of the first space shuttle that went to space. And then they started getting cameras on them. The cameras got better. Then you could do video, and it's high-def video. It's all over the world. So everybody that wants to have a voice to get a voice, and then they put it on social media, and people share that. That's how it works. And so now there are things that come to light. There are people that have voices that wouldn't have had voices. And that could be good or bad. But, you know, people are watching this stuff. And I know this is probably going to make some people uncomfortable. This is not what I'm preaching. But I want to show you how it works. Listen, since we became a nation in 1776, we've had guns. Guns aren't the problem. People are the problem. And when these people get put on the news and they get turned into some kind of a, a, a hero and get all this news, guns, guns aren't the problem. And, and, and I want to tell you today that all of the things that people are spewing out, that, that doesn't just mean it's true because it's somebody's idea. Jude was trying to get the people of God to realize you're going to have to find some kind of a foundation to stand upon because there's going to be winds that blow to and fro. There's going to be winds and there's going to be fake things present. you got to find somewhere to establish yourself. Well, I've come today to tell you that the safest place you can establish yourself is in the house of God and believing the word of God. To have a relationship with God. There is nothing in this world that is unshakable, but the word of God is unshakable. There is nothing in this world that is immovable, but the word of God is immovable. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that when heaven and earth pass away, my word shall never pass away. You want to know why I believe what I believe? It's because it's forever settled. It's not going to change. It is forever settled. Forever settled. I believe that you have to, you, you have to pick. Now, I'm I'm trying to get where I'm going, but listen, you're going to have to pick. You're going to have to pick if you want to dwell on negative news all the time or if you want to be happy. We were driving home from Arkansas, and my wife started reading something to me. I said, babe, don't let it bother you. You got a good gift. Just keep on scrolling. Look, if you want to find something to be down about, you can find it. Can I just preach to you this morning? 
If you want to find something to be ugly about, you can always find something to be ugly about. God gave us an amazing gift. The same muscles that open our mouth close our mouth. It's, it's amazing. And, and the same fingers that can, that, that can type on social media can keep on moving. And if you really want peace and you don't have to have it for work and whatever you're doing, there's a really neat thing. You just delete account. Come on now. Well, I'm going to show them. I'm just going to unfriend them. That's not even how that works. You unfriend them and shut. You didn't show them nothing. You you validate how they feel because then they act ugly. But listen, Jude is trying to help us understand some things that I feel like we got to get in our spirit. I've told this story I don't know how many times through the years in my ministry of when I was taking driver's ed. And I was driving with my mom in our 1996 red Ford Taurus. It's coming back from Muncie and had been there for driver's ed. My mom was letting me build my hours. We came to 60th and Main. At the four-way stop, I pulled up and then this guy pulled up and I went to go and he went. It wasn't his turn. That crazy idiot. That's how we are, aren't we? He pulls up. It's my turn. It was my turn. I was supposed to go. But he went. And so I was upset. I didn't even have my license. And I'm sitting in there. I'm like, hey, it was my turn. Like he could hear me. It was my turn to go. And my mom said something so powerful to me. She said, son, you can be right and be dead. And I learned a neat little lesson as a 15-year-old in driver's ed. You don't have to be right about everything in life. And so that's why it's important that you stand on solid ground if you're going to draw, if you're going to draw something and, and make that your platform. It needs to be solid ground. Somebody say amen or oh me. You need something that you can stand on. And I'm not here to bash or hurt or, or be offensive to anybody, but I just want to tell you, I'm not, I'm not standing on what news media is propagating. I love my neighbors. I love my brothers. It, it doesn't matter to me what kind of life they choose to live. It doesn't matter to me what gender they are. It doesn't matter to me what race they are. It doesn't matter to me what religion they are. I've got to love people. And it is possible, despite what the world says, it is possible to disagree with somebody and still love somebody. We've got to learn the power of agreement and the power of disagreement. You've got to let people make mistakes and learn from mistakes and love them when the mistakes are over. But if you'll feed into it, listen to me, you'll hate everybody. That's why one of our founding fathers said if we don't hang together... We're going to hang separately. You've got to learn to hang together. But now we're seeing issues that Jude said was going to come. I know this is weird for a Sunday morning, but I'm going to preach it to you. It was just before the book of Jude in in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Very, very short epistles. John general, general epistles. 
that he makes the statement about, and, and this is important that we don't get these two confused. But John speaks of those in 1 John 2 and 19. He said, there are those that went out from us, but they're not of us. Okay? I want to make this crystal clear. He talked about those that went out from us. Who is us? The church. He said, there's people that have left, gone out from the church. Everybody say, gone out. They've gone out from us. They left us. He said, but they were not of us. This is pretty tough language. Imagine this. This isn't even Pentecostal rhetoric. I'm reading the Bible to you. John said, there's people that left the church. And he said, the reason they went out. This is hard, this is hard for me to grab hold of. He said, but the reason they went out is because they were never in. I'm not, I'm not talking about people that legitimately make a mistake. They get wounded and get hurt and walk away. There's all kinds of people that God's trying to restore right now. John's not talking about somebody that got backslid. John is talking about people that went out and start opposing everything that you try to do. And Brother Stephen said it so gracefully this morning. The thing that, that frustrates me, and this is what John was addressing is that people that leave truth are not satisfied to leave truth. They want to leave truth and then bash everybody that still believes truth. If you're so confident that the decision you made is okay, then leave the church alone. Is that all right? Is this too strong for a Sunday? If you've got a new revelation, then go on and walk in your revelation. But I'm going to stay in the revelation of the word because it's forever settled in heaven. And I'm going to walk in that revelation. I know. And again, I'm trying to guard every word because I want to be very careful. Uh, I was talking with Brother McLean yesterday. And my mind has just been rolling. I understand because this has affected my family even. But there's, there's some kind of a spirit in the end time that's, that some men believe, and, and women for that matter, but they believe that mankind believes that God is going to give them some kind of a new revelation in the end time church. Folks, I, I, sincerely from my heart, I'm not trying to be ugly. But I'm not special enough for God to withhold some revelation For 6,000 years and then give it to me. God's people have always been holy. God's people have always been separate. God's people have always. They've always been separated from the world. From the day of Pentecost until now. Not my rhetoric. The Bible said that every man and woman that was saved. According to the Bible. Repented of their sins. They were baptized in Jesus name. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. God is not going to drop some new bomb of revelation. In the end time. That there's a new way to get in. And a cheaper way to get in. Can I just preach my heart to you today? If you're going to live for God, it's not just going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. We don't live for God as a part of what we do. We don't add God to our lifestyle. God is our lifestyle. The kingdom is our lifestyle. We don't just live with God. We live for God.
There is a defining difference in the first century church and, and, and the 21st century church. There are several, but one of, one of the most prominent ones that you see is that when they got full of the Holy Ghost, they weren't just, they, they weren't wrestling about how to live for God. They started wondering when they were going to die for God. And with Peter, when it, came, when it came to Peter, who had denied the Lord, oh man, I don't know if I'm ever going get to this, get this out today. Peter walked with Jesus. But when that voice was extracted from him, the Bible said he followed it at, a, at a distance. He followed from afar and he watched them take Jesus like a lamb led to the slaughter. Peter watched from a distance as they took him. He was just cutting ears off. He was just so bold in the garden to cut ears off and Jesus was fixing it. And now Jesus is, is being led like a lamb to the slaughter and he's full of questions. He's full of questions because he realized that his relationship was not in the promises of God. It was in just that Jesus will be here tomorrow. Oh. But what does my world look like when that solid voice is removed from me? And when they came and took Jesus and led him off, Peter watches from a distance. Now you can preach this a thousand different ways, but I want to tell you one of the reasons that Peter was following from a distance is I believe that he was watching and waiting for Jesus to break loose and come back. You start reading through the scripture and how many times it was Peter. Jesus actually said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Why? Because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from being crucified. Why? Because he didn't want God to remove that voice from him. And when the, the voice was removed, he stood off in the distance. He's like, okay, when are you going to fix this? When are you going to fix this? How's it going to happen? And he denies the Lord and he hears that, that rooster crow. And all of it settles in on him. He realizes what has happened. And restoration begins to work in him. And when the Lord resurrects, Peter is with the 500 on the mountain. And the Lord says, go to Jerusalem and wait. And Peter watches him leave again. This time he ascends into heaven to be seated on the only throne that there is. Jesus is seated in the heavens. Jesus is gone. And Peter, it finally rests on Peter. He says, now that he's gone, I realize that that voice is removed. And if it's going to happen, it's going to be because I make it happen. When Jesus was first removed from him, he was full of questions. But when Jesus was resurrected and ascended into the heavens, the Bible said that he got full of the Holy Ghost. What would cause a man to walk by the temple every day of his life and see the same lame man laying there, but in Acts chapter 3, he stops and tells the man to rise up and walk. You know the difference? Before, he was full of questions. But today, he was full of the Holy Ghost. You've got to get so full of the Holy Ghost that it doesn't matter what voices stay and what voices go. You have been established. Oh, my, my, my. Everybody doing all right on this Sunday morning? So John said, John said, these people went out. And the only way that you can leave, and I, I do, I sincerely believe this. I don't like it because... Some scripture's tough. 
I don't necessarily like it, but I do believe it. John said, the only way that you can leave this and oppose it is that you never had it in your heart. The only way that you could walk away from God and deny this power is that you have never come in contact with it. Son, it is quiet up in here right now. I know because some of you start thinking about names and faces and people. Listen, I'm just telling you from a voice of experience. Nobody has ever loved me like God loves me. I've never experienced, and I've lived for God all my life. I've been around the church all my life. But I've never experienced anything like the Holy Ghost. There is nothing more precious to me in the presence of God and how you could leave what we feel and what we experience and how God moves. Listen, I have literally with my own eyes, I've beheld it with my own eyes. I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen the deaf ears open. I've seen the dead raise. I've seen the lame walk. Come on. I've seen God do it. How in the world can you see God do that and then walk away and say it doesn't exist? way that you can do that is because you were just along for the ride you were just there to be with the crowd you got baptized because all the other kids were getting baptized there were four or five young people getting baptized and you wanted to get baptized because they were you didn't get baptized because you wanted to be in the covenant Woo! you've got to fall so in love with Jesus Oh, God, I wish I could preach this the way I want to this morning. I love him so much that anything he would ever ask of me, it is not too much. How can you walk away from this and act like it didn't exist? Because you never loved him back the way that he loves you. I've seen it again in my own family. The year, the year that I was born, of course, I was too young to remember this, and he shared this testimony. He doesn't mind me sharing. I won't go into all the details, but my dad, who is the bishop of this church, pastored here for 17 years before me. Walked away from the Lord. He had married my mother, and I'm the second child of two. And about the time that I came into the world, my dad had walked away from God. He had not been a minister. He was, just, he was working uh, here in the local church. Working a job, my mother was a nurse, and my dad, before God called him to ministry, he walked away from the Lord. And my dad got involved in some terrible habits. He was, he was carrying drugs, and, and he wasn't selling them, but he was carrying them and moving drugs for people and uh, started taking drugs. My dad was taking uh, cocaine and uh, uh, smoking, I think he told me, three or four packs of cigarettes a day, drinking like a, like a Cooter Brown, you know, just sot drunk and and uh my dad my dad has told the story he's told me num- uh, numerical value of what he was spending every week on cocaine i mean i'm talking about there's no way to sustain that without getting involved in it and that's that's how sin works you can't sustain that lifestyle without getting in the middle of it and then that helps you pay for it And he told me the thousands and thousands of dollars that he wasted and, and the moments that he knew that he knew the hand of God was upon him when the trunk was full. 
And the police officer just looked the other way and went on by. And my dad was sitting at a bar stool on Saturday night. He was sitting at a bar. And my grandfather, Bishop R.B. Bingham, was in the sanctuary of the old church praying, walking around the sanctuary. God reached Danny. Whatever you've got to do, reach my kids. God reached down and touched my kids, getting ready to preach on Sunday morning, but he's worried about his kids. God, whatever you got to do, reach Danny today. Reach down to him, God. And my dad said he was sitting on, a, on the bar stool, in the bar, drinking, right then, sitting there. And he said, I heard a voice that was familiar. And the voice came to me and said, if you don't get back now, you will never get back. On that Sunday morning, the next morning, my dad walked down the aisle of the church, knelt down and repented of his sins. And I'm glad to tell you that since that day, 40 years ago, since that day, he has never smoked another cigarette, never took another drink. God immediately took that cocaine habit from him. That doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it happens. If you can deny that, you've never been touched by that touch. I don't know how God does it. And I'm not sure how he makes it all work. But I'm thankful for the blood. And I'm thankful that it works. I'm, I'm trying to be as sweet as I can be today. But if you're going to start selling something and trying to sell it to somebody that the grace of God don't work and that God don't deliver and that God doesn't heal, you're trying to sell to the wrong person. You better take that up the street. I've already settled it in my heart. I'm here because I believe it. How do you know he does it? And I don't have time to tell the story. If you've attended this church, you've heard it. But I know he does it because I was sitting on the ground with my wife who had just lost a baby who died in my arms. My wife is laying her dead in my arms, no pulse, no nothing. Her pupils were set. I'm, I'm sitting in the lobby of my mom and dad's house. My mother's a registered nurse. And she screams down the hall and says, Saint, call the ambulance. TJ's dead. I've got a one-year-old little girl. She's sitting right there, just graduated. She's making me an old man. Lauren was one years old, little curl, curly ringlets on her head. And I'm, 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 I'm on the ground holding my wife, who my mother says she's dead. My mom's beating on her chest and doing all the emergency room stuff. I don't know how all that works. I'm like, God, don't ever hit me like that again. I said again because I'm married. She don't hit me no more. My mom's beating on her chest and all this stuff's going on. Like I, I'm like, what in the world? And I look up and little Lauren is standing at my wife's head. My wife's head was right between her little feet. And she was just leaning over, looking down. And I'm sitting right here and I looked up and I saw Lauren's little face. And I heard a voice say to me, I heard the voice just like I'm talking to you right now. Josh, the voice said to me, you're going to raise her by yourself. What would you do? Well, I lost it and I fell on the floor and I kicked and screamed. No, sir. Listen, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I'm going to tell you, me and my mother and daddy, we started calling on the name of the Lord. Why, 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 why would you do that? Listen, we called the ambulance. We did, we did. We called the ambulance. Did what we were supposed to do. We called the ambulance and we called on God. I'm, I'm not against getting help. We got to have help. Those doctors are the reason my wife is still here today and had two more children after that. Those doctors helped, but they're not the only reason that she's here today. She's here because God touched her. What do you say? I'm saying God can reach all the way to death's door and pick you up and bring you out. You're not here by accident today. You're here because the Lord wants you to know you can believe in him.
Pastor St. Clair, I've got cold. I walked away from God. Like, I, I, I don't know what to do. I walked away. Listen, I'm going to tell you something that's amazing about this. And I know, I know people don't like this. But I'm going to tell you, we have absolutely, we have, we have overcomplicated what mercy looks like. If you're here this morning and you think it's an accident, number one, it's not. But if you're here today and you've walked away from God, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that there's still a glimmer of hope in your soul or you wouldn't be here right now. Well, I've done some awful things. That's all right, but you're here right now. Well, I I don't really believe. Oh, yes, you do. You're here. You're here. And I'm going to tell you how mercy works. It will reach down to you in the lowest condition that you can. You can't be so low that you can outrun mercy's outstretched hand. It is here right now. There is mercy reaching for somebody in this room today. You have not outran God. John, John said, listen. The ones that leave and deny it and oppose it, the way they do that is because they were never part of us. That sounds like he's trying to be exclusive. Ooh, exclusivity. Look at this guy. Ooh, what about that church? No, no, you're missing it. John had been affected in such a way. He was called John the Beloved, right? He was the apostle that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. Why was John so sure to say, if you left it, you never loved it? Because he knew what love was. John could speak that because he understood the love of God. And when you ever get an understanding of the love of God, I'm not saying you're not going to trip and make mistakes. But I am saying that when you do, if the trumpet hasn't sounded, you've still got time to get back up. You can make it. I don't know if anybody's told you this in a long time, but you need to hear it today from somebody. You're going to make it. Come on, you're going to come through. Everything's going to be all right. You're going to outlive this thing. God's going to do a work in your life. So, John said that there's going to be opposers. You're going to have to deal with it. They left because they were never in. And that's, that's tough. Let me tell you, again, I, I want to say this as sweet as I can. I don't want this to sound like I'm being critical. But facts are what they are. John said they left because they never loved it. They were never with us. That's why they left. So then what do you do with people that are opposing? Okay, good. It's a great question. John said these are people that oppose the gospel. They left it and they oppose it. They're against it. Somebody say they're against it. So what do we do with that? If God be for us. What's the, what's the next line? Who? It's not a what, it's a who. John said, who is going to leave and who is going to oppose, but who can't be against us? Because God is for us. You don't have to spend your time and your energy Arguing with who? Man, I, I, I really do. I want to help somebody that is struggling with this in their mind today. I, I want somebody to see who you are. Listen, your virtue matters. Can I, can I preach just for a few minutes today? Your virtue matters. You've only got so much emotional virtue to spend. 
And I'm not going to spend it on people that oppose what I've already settled in my heart is truth. Well, pastor, they don't like what you preach. I love them. They, they, they don't agree with what you preach. God bless them. I love them. Now, you don't really mean that. Oh, I do mean that. I want to love them because if they ever wake up, and, or maybe I should say when they wake up and experience the love of God, I don't ever want them to be able to look at me and say, that guy treated me ugly. That guy treated me rude. That guy treated me like trash. Listen, you got to love people. I want that to get in your spirit today. I'm not going to be anybody's excuse for going to hell. You hear me? But I'm not going to waste my energy. Virtue matters. I I, I got to preach this slow because I want to get this in your spirit. Jesus did not just teach us how to submit. Jesus taught us how to guard things that mattered. Jesus guarded his virtue so closely that when a woman who was sick reached out and touched the hem of his garment, he did not say, I felt healing leave me. He said, I felt virtue leave me. If I'm draining virtue on things that aren't healing, I'm wasting virtue. Why didn't Jesus give virtue to Pharisees that were arguing about the gospel? Because you're not going to convince somebody by arguing with them. Jesus said, I would rather save my virtue for somebody that's tried everything else. And everything else has failed for 12 years. That was a desperate woman. She had been to every doctor she could afford. She had tried everything she could. The virtue of the Messiah was saved for a woman that was in need. Listen, if we spend all our time giving virtue to those that oppose the gospel, we're not going to have any virtue for those that are in need of the gospel. I want my heart to be right with God and I want my heart to be right with man. That's a book of Acts principle. They, they found favor with God and favor with man. It's in your Bible. Favor with God and favor with man. But you don't, you don't give up favor with God to get favor with men. Woo! Don't worry, those that went out. There's, there's a tough area there that I don't have time to preach. He said, but they, they went out. Now listen, I'm going to talk to you about what Jude said. John said they went out. But the next book, Jude, Jude said they crept in. Can I preach to you? John said those that went out oppose. And if God's for you, who can be against you? Jude warned us, so he said, but you've got to watch those. That creep in unaware. They crept in unaware. They've been foreordained of old. The enemy had it planned. That at a weak moment in somebody's journey with God. That a man who was foreordained of old. Could creep in. And could do a work. Now listen. John said they that went out opposed. Right? But Jude said, those that creep in, corrupt. Oh, I wish I could preach this this morning. He said, those that go out oppose. But those that creep in, corrupt. I, I don't know really how, how to get after this today and 
make everybody in the room love me. I don't think that's possible. But I'm just going to tell you, sweet folks, from the bottom of my heart, that I have no intention of changing what we preach the closer we get to the coming of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There's not going to be multiple ways to get in. You're not going to get to pick your baptismal formula. You're going to get baptized the Bible way. Well, how can you say that? Well, Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 make it simple. There's one Lord, one faith. Come on. Come on. There's one Lord, one faith. One God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. I'm not going to get this started because I think... We need a little extra mercy and that we're going to find a way for somebody to get in. If I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to be baptized the Bible way. I'm going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There is a name that's been given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4 and 12. And that is the name of Jesus. Don't you think in the end time that it's all right to say it's just semantics and it's a matter of language. No, it's not. It's a matter of salvation. And if you want to be saved, you've got to come in the Bible way. For the sake of time, I've got to hurry and fast forward right here. But Jude is warning us to be careful. He said, if you're not careful, and this is not verbatim, so you just got to understand the context of what I'm saying. But Jude said, you got to watch those that creep in. If you're not careful before it's all said and done, he said, you may have compassion on the creepers. Somebody may creep in preaching another Jesus, and you have compassion on the person because you like the person. He said, but you've got to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, this is interesting. When you read that word, earnestly contend for the faith, that word in the Greek is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. It's an interesting word. Because I've preached this and talked about it, and it, it's true, hermeneutically it's true, that it, it does deal with the gospel. But it, he did not say to just earnestly contend for the gospel. He said to earnestly contend for the faith. P-I-S-T-I-S, pistis. It's an interesting word because it actually, it actually means to hold fast, to fight for convictions. Go read it. Well, well don't, don't, don't you think it's doctrine and gospel? I do. But if you've, if you've learned to fight for conviction, you'll never question gospel. Amen or oh me. If you get the word settled in your heart, you'll, you will never ever walk away from conviction. The apostle Paul said that we would hold fast to the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word, which is the same word from John 1, 14. He said by logos or by our epistle. I know it's Sunday morning. Are y'all, are y'all exhausted? I'm almost done. He said, I want you to hold fast to what Logos has taught you. And I want you to hold fast to what we've taught you. He said, because the Logos is where it starts. That's your relationship with Jesus. Aren't you glad the Logos became flesh? 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what, what, what he was saying, you could actually say it just like this and not be expanding on hermeneutical privilege. You could say that I want you to hold fast to what you've learned from Jesus. And I want you to hold fast to what you've learned from us. Because Jesus came. And he died, and he was buried, and he resurrected, and he's gone. But he put power in the hands of the church. And he said, you're going to need a man. He said, how how can they be saved unless they hear? And how can they hear without a preacher? He said, the preacher's going to preach, and the preacher's going to have conviction. And you've got to fall in love with the conviction. Well, if it's not black and white in the scripture, then I'm just not, I'm, I'm not going to buy into it. You know, that's one of the most dangerous doctrines floating around right now. You know why? Because times change. Has anybody ever read in there where, where the Lord said, stay away from Jack Daniels? Come on now. Yeah, I, I, could get in, I could get into some Greek words with you and, and, and perhaps come to the conclusion that it's insinuated, it's indicative, it's there. But pornography is not mentioned in the Bible. The Greek word perneo is there when dealing with adultery. That's where we get the word. But the word, I mean, pornography is not in the Bible. So are we, are we going to stop saying that people shouldn't look at pornography because it's not black and white? There's, there's nothing in there about getting in your chariot and driving while you've had too much wine. Come on now. There's, there's nothing in there about that. You, you, you think maybe at some point there was somebody that had a wreck in a chariot that was inebriated? Probably. But they didn't have an epidemic of, of drunk driving. There's nothing in there that says anything about firearms because they, did, they didn't start that until later. Jesus did say, get you a sword though. And I, and I will tell you something that's really interesting about that, folks. Listen to me now. They didn't have any guns in the Bible and people were killing one another with swords and so now we got people getting behind the the wheel of a car driving drunk killing people listen listen I'm preaching a principle to you you got to get settled in your heart do not listen to the winds that are blowing if you're going to start outlawing everything that does harm we're going to get rid of cars The problem is that you can't legislate morality. People have to love being moral. If you think that Washington, D.C. is going to fix the humanity problem, you have missed it. There's only one thing that can fix the humanity problem, and that is the blood of Jesus. And I want to tell the world that Jesus did not die for Jewish people. Jesus did not die for white people. Jesus did not die for black people. Jesus died for mankind. He doesn't care where you came from. He doesn't care what your roots are. It doesn't matter what, uh, where your family came from, what village, what tribe, what country. The blood is for you. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. I got too much wind in my sail today. That's a nice way of saying I'm long-winded. Stay with me now. He said, watch those that creep in. I've been preaching uh, 40, 44 minutes. I'm almost done. 
He said, these that creep in, I want you to watch them. Listen, this, this is so powerful. This is the crux of what I want to talk to you about. We're going to identify some spirits in this age. He said, woe unto them. You remember that in verse 11? Woe. Somebody say, woe. Woe unto them. I can't tell you how powerful this word is in the King James. When he said woe unto them, it's, it is almost like judgment is pronounced. Woe unto them. Woe. Woe unto them. For they have gone in the way of Cain. Jude 1 and 11. They've gone the way of Cain. I'm going to break this down and I'm going to quit. The way of Cain. Well, Cain's Old Testament. What's Jude doing talking about? Listen, all three of these men that, Cain, that Jude is talking about were Old Testament problems. They weren't new problems. He said they've gone after the way of Cain. What's the way of Cain? Are you all ready? You got your seatbelts on? Uh, is everybody in the room familiar with Cain and Abel? It says Adam and Eve's first two children, Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. Why did he do it? Because God accepted Abel's sacrifice. God didn't accept Cain's, right? Everybody's familiar? So what's the way of Cain? Boy, I hope y'all are... Hope you got your seatbelt tight. You ready? The way of Cain is a spirit that says this. I would rather kill my brother and leave those who gave me birth than to submit to God and bring my sacrifice God's way. It's a killing spirit. It's a spirit that says, I don't care how right you are. Even, listen, Cain, Cain didn't kill Abel because God wasn't accepting it. Cain killed Abel because God was accepting it. It's a spirit that says, I'm going to start killing what God accepts because it convicts me when I see. It convicts me when I see God receive that. And there is a spirit that's tried to come against the 21st century church that's tried to get us to quit preaching things that have identified us because God is blessing us. But I'm going to make this statement and leave it here. I can tell you right now that men who are laying down their convictions, their church crowds are dwindling and their doors are closing. But people that are holding fast to the profession of their faith, their churches are growing and life is in them. I'm going to tell you something I heard this week. I'm almost done. I'm serious. I'm almost done. I wanted to be done by noon, but the devil wouldn't let me. <laughs> Pastor Caleb Adams, pastor's in Memphis, he was preaching in Little Rock this week, uh, and he made this statement. Now, I know this sounds insane, but it, post-COVID, post-COVID, they're in a, another building project. I'm like, man, this dude's a glutton for punishment. But they're, they're in a building project because they've had great growth in Memphis and they're continuing to grow in that metro area. So they're in a building project. And this is what he said. He said, I was on the phone the other day with our builder. Folks, I'm telling you, you this blew my mind. He said, I was on the phone with my builder. This guy, I think Brother Adam said he's built 1,500 churches. That's all he does is churches. He builds churches. And he said, uh, so man, how's business going for you guys after COVID? He said, I mean, everything's it's been kind of tough. This man, this is what he said to Brother Adams. He said, bro, he said, 
The only people that I'm building for right now are Pentecostal. He said, you guys are the only people building buildings. He said, the other people that we're building are canceling their projects and they're moving in with other churches and leaving buildings vacant and merging together. He said, I don't know what it is, but these Pentecostal churches are growing and they're building. I'm going to tell you why. It's because we settled the issue. We love truth. I think I'm going to bring it God's way. Uh, I'm hurrying. He said they've gone after the heir of Balaam. What's the heir of Balaam? <laughs> Does anybody remember the story of Balaam and Balak in the Old Testament? Anybody remember the donkey speaking? That's the guy. Whoa. What a weird story. A man that's so carnal, donkeys see angels before he does. Well, you can take that for whatever you want. Balak said, curse God's children. He said, nope, can't do it. God blessed it. Until, listen, until he hung around him so long. He stayed around critical voices of God's people for so long that he started criticizing what he used to defend. I've listened to critics of God's people long enough that I'm willing to join forces with them and leave my heritage just to be accepted. That's the heir of Balaam. Last, he said, I've gone after the gainsaying of Korah. And I wish I had time to preach all this. It's so good. The gainsaying of Korah. With this one, I, I'm closing. Korah was an interesting figure in the Old Testament because his sin was twofold. Korah was not just satisfied to try to elevate himself. But in order to elevate himself, he felt like he had to tear down the elders. And the gainsaying of Korah says, I don't think that my elders have any more spiritual authority than I do. So I have no problem speaking against them. I'm going to tell you folks, pastoral submission and pastoral authority are something that the church can never lose. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I am submitted to men in my life. If I ever try to pastor this church without pastoral authority in my life, this church is in trouble. You have got to learn the value. Not because it's me preaching, but there's nobody else here to preach today. But I'm going to tell you, listen. God didn't call four men to have a voice to lead this church. I know this sounds self-serving. If you don't know me, please know this is not my heart. But I'm here because God called me here. I'm in this pulpit today because God called me here. I'm, I'm not saying this at all to sound ugly. I'm not here because this is the only place in the world. I'm here because it's the only place God has called me to be. I'm here because I know I'm in the will of God here. 
And God sent me here to warn you today. There is a spirit that's trying to creep into the church. And Jude said it was foreordained 2,000 years ago. And you got to watch out for him because it's a brother killing spirit. It's an elder killing spirit. It's a spirit that's trying to tear it apart from the inside out. But I've come to serve notice on that spirit today. That the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Let's stand together. I've had several people contact me over the last few days, troubled over some things, and I'm not even giving it life, but troubled over some things have been said, been done. People, not, not from this church, understand, not from this church. Things going on, bitter people sharing bitterness. But I'm going to tell you something. My focus today is not on people who don't want to be saved. My focus is on the people that are reaching, saying, send me a lifeline. Send me help. Send me somebody. Send, send me something. As the music comes today, I want us to bow our heads. I know this has been so different on a Sunday morning. It's been so different. But I, 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 I told Brother Thornton this morning on the phone, I said, bro, I preached all night long. I said, I preached all night long in my dreams. I, I couldn't wait to get here this morning and get this out of my spirit. I want you right now to just reach your heart towards God. And if, if you can, just lift your hands to the Lord. These altars are open right now. But I want you to just begin to pray that God would make you fully aware of the distractions that are going on in this world and the things that are just trying to keep you from loving God and being in tune with God and let those distractions go let those voices just keep on talking they've been talking for a long time they just they're just now getting a camera we we've got to let those things go but but God make me mindful of the voices that are trying to turn this faith and this gospel into something that it's not Come on, if you, want, if you want today to be in alignment with the Word of God, I just want you to pray that, God, I want to know what's right and what's evil, what's good and what's not. I want to know, God, there's healing. God, you're a, you're a cancer healing God. I've seen you do it time after time after time. I've never met sickness that was a match for you. I speak healing over this body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. By the power of the Holy Ghost, I speak healing over this vessel, Lord. God, you'll get the glory. You'll get the glory in the name of Jesus. God, from the tips of her fingers to the tips of her toes, I speak healing right now. Jesus, you see every man, woman, and child in this place today. You see every man, woman, and child in this place today, God. You see where every child of God is on their journey and walking with you. And I'm asking you to draw us all a little closer. God, draw us closer to your side. We need you, Jesus.